let's talk about our particular situation. So this is a six unit building, which is comprised of two studios, two one bedroom, one baths, and two two bedroom, two baths. The building is located in Midtown Sacramento. So logistically, there is a lot to coordinate and consider. Parking and maneuvering large cranes to drop the tarps had to be well thought out. It's not as easy as calling the fumigation company, setting the date, and a few days later, the problem's all solved. Welcome to your Landlord Resource Podcast. Many moons ago, when I started as a landlord, I was as green as it gets. I may have had my real estate license, but I lacked confidence and the hands-on experience needed when it came to dealing with tenants, leases, maintenance, and bookkeeping. After many failed attempts, fast forward to today, Kevin and I have doubled our doors and created an organized, professionally operated rental property business. Want to go from overwhelmed to confident? If you're an ambitious landlord or maybe one in the making, join us as we provide strategies and teach actionable steps to help you reach your goals and the lifestyle you desire, all while building a streamlined and profitable rental property business. This is your Landlord Resource Podcast. Well, hello there, landlords, and thank you for joining us today. I am Stacy, and I'm here with my right-hand man and husband, Kevin. Today, we are discussing episode 10, and that is about our experience with a termite infestation. Yeah. A few years ago, we had the unfortunate situation of termites in our six-unit apartment complex. So in this podcast, we are going to cover how we discovered them, the tenting and fumigation process, the communication and method of guiding our tenants, and all the nuts and bolts that came along with that experience. So once upon a time, our termite stories <laughs> begins, a tenant informed us that she'd notice a few tiny pinholes around her front door frame and the molding. And on the floor directly underneath, she saw fine dust. Now, she must have had some experience with termites in the past because I'm not sure we would have put those two things together. No way. So under the advice of our pest control company, she was asked to place blue painter's tape over the holes. They said if the holes appeared through the tape again, we would have termites. Well, guess what? Yep, holes were there a few days later. Oh, man. I remember that like yesterday. I mean... How could we have termites in our rental property? I mean, I know how we could and how we got them, but I mean, what a pain in the butt. So after we picked our stomachs up off the ground, we immediately scheduled our pest control company out for a complete pest inspection. The studio apartment in question is in the front of our six-unit building. After investigating the basement, the inspector confirmed that, yes, there was a small infestation of drywood termites in the front of the building just below where her unit was. Drywood termites, unlike subterranean termites, live inside the wood, making soil treatment pretty much useless. So the inspector gave us two options. One, treatment with heat for control of drywood termites. Heat treatment consists of tarping off the infested area. So for us, this would be the two front studio units and one of the north units, a one bedroom. They heat the wood to a temperature of 130 degrees, and this temperature must be held for one hour to kill the termites. 
We were told that this treatment is only for a limited area and does not include any other complex areas in the guarantee. Number two, we could seal the entire structure with tarps, tenting, and fumigate to kill the dry wood termites. Now, in order to do this, our tenants must vacate the building until the fumigation process is complete, which may take three to four days. Now, where the cost of heating was significantly lower, the guarantee, or limits to it, left us uncertain. The thought of forcing the tenants to leave the property for us to tent the whole thing had us just feeling, well, let's just say, not good. Yeah, but here's the deal, though. Where we were hoping for the easy way out, we did opt to finally tent the property, and we are really glad that we did. Because sometime in the next year, following the fumigation, a tenant from the second level of the, on the opposite side of the building moved out. And this unit, had we chosen to do the heat treatment, would not have been treated nor covered in that guarantee. So what did we find along the front wall of the bedroom where the headboard was? You got it several tiny pinholes where more termites were living. We have no idea where else they might have been, but they certainly were not isolated to one area that the inspector found. Yeah, we made the right choice. Now we were given choices when it came to tenting. We could focus on just one area or side of the building for $3,500 or do the whole building for just under $5,000. Because the price difference wasn't much in the whole scheme of things. Plus, regardless of the option chosen, all tenants had to move out anyway. We opted to tent the whole thing. Although Stacy wouldn't let me choose the premier circus tent option that included clowns, elephants, and trapeze artists. No, I did not. And like Stacy mentioned, the discovery before, we had a call from another tenant who was noticing, as they described, brown ants with wings in their unit so we were glad we had chosen just to tent the whole building. Right. So let's talk about the fumigation process for a minute. In California, it's a requirement that the pest control operator who carries out this process holds a certification to perform fumigations. And unfortunately, our pest control company that we use on a regular basis did not have the proper license. So they referred us to a fumigation specialist. This company explained that fumigation techniques often differ from building to building, but in most cases, rubberized tarps are tented or placed over the entire house or apartment building in this case, and then secured. Then Vicane, which is a pesticide, is released into the residence. The tarps concentrate the gas inside the structure until the gases dissipate. And because we had termites in our rental property, all of our tenants would need to vacate their units and leave all their cabinets, and doors and windows open for fumigation, which meant during this time, tenants had to find an alternate residence potentially for three to five days. I really think telling the tenants was the hardest part of this whole process. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk more about how we handled the tenants in a minute. But I think you can, why don't you finish talking about the fumigation part? Okay. Before the fumigation, gas lines are shut off. The area to be fumigated is covered to create a sealed environment. Now, the actual operation of tending a building is really quite fascinating. We were on site as a flatbed truck dropped off large tarps, and a crane lifted them onto the roof three stories up. You were like a kid in a candy oh, store that day. That was pretty cool. 
Then tarps are draped down all sides of the building, sealed with clamps, and then sandbags around the base. Then fumigant gas is released into the home and percolates throughout the residence to kill any infestations. Now, the way they do it is very simple. They have several large, oh, they look like large oxygen tanks, but they're filled with the pesticide. They attach a small quarter-inch tubing to the tanks and run this tubing into each unit. The other end of the tubing is attached to a small 16-inch oscillating fan, which they turn on to push the vicane gases into the unit. The fumigation begins, and a specialist monitors the gases released to determine the quantity and length of time it needs to remain. A fumoscope is used to measure concentrations of fumigant gas during the treatment process, and leak detectors monitor for gases that may escape the treatment area. The affected area is ventilated so the pesticide can escape from the residence. Then, again, the specialist monitors the gases and renders the area safe for humans to enter. A clearance device is used to check for deficient concentrations, one part per million or less, of fumigant in the house before people and pets can return. So you're saying that you got clearance, Clarence? Roger, Roger. The correct ventilation of the area is a critical safety aspect of fumigation. After testing to assure the chemicals are gone, the gas lines are reconnected and the home is released for re-entry. The gas company returns and inspects and assesses all gas lines and appliances to ensure they are in proper working order before restoring the gas and lighting the pilots. I think that was a really cool thing. I mean, we it was nice to have everything inspected. I mean, we have a contractor who does that for us, but it was nice to have the gas company. Yeah, going forward, that. it was perfect. And I, I still think that we should have let the units air out for an additional day before the tenants went back, but we'll mm -hmm. get to that later. Let's talk about our particular situation. So this is a six-unit building, which is comprised of two studios, two one-bedroom, one-baths, and two two-bedroom, two-baths. The building is located in Midtown Sacramento, so logistically, there is a lot to coordinate and consider. Parking and maneuvering large cranes to drop the tarps had to be well thought out. It's not as easy as calling the fumigation company, setting the date, and a few days later, the problem's all solved. Coordination between the vendor, the tenants, the neighbors, gas company, and the security company is quite an undertaking. And the process from discovery to implementation took us about six to eight weeks to get it all organized. The fumigation company had to perform several inspections to measure our three-story building, which meant we had to be on site to monitor these guys on our roof. Keep in mind, we live about 90 minutes away from this rental property, so it's not just a hop, skip, and a jump away. And as with everything we do as landlords, communication with our tenants was the most important step. Early on, we informed our tenants what we had discovered and what was likely to come. When the dates were finally set, we gave them ample notice and information to prepare. They would have to prep the interior and then be out of their units. In our case, it was only two nights away. Right. So we'll get to the unit prep part in a second. But right now, I want to talk about the compensation that we decided to offer the tenants for this disruption. It took us some time to determine what we were going to offer. And at the time, we had nine tenants living there. Some were roommates and some were families. So we had to structure compensation a little bit different for each unit. 
we realized what a hassle this experience was and where as landlords, we were compassionate with their upheaval and ultimately we decided to give each tenant a significant rent credit. We knew at minimum we had to prorate their daily rent for the days that they were going to be displaced. However, hotels in the downtown Sacramento area are very expensive. So the daily proration would not be near enough to compensate for the tenants. We also felt we should consider the inconvenience, you know, their time that they are packing up their food and making other arrangements for when they're away. And ultimately, we decided to give each unit the daily prorated rent back, as well as a one-time compensation fee per tenant in the unit. So on average, daily rent was somewhere in the range of $35 to $60, and we added a flat amount on top of that of $200. We found most tenants went to stay with friends or family in lieu of the hotel, and additionally, we hired a cleaning crew to come in prior to notifying the tenants they could return to the building. Even though the vapors from fumigants do not leave residue, we had them wipe down all the surfaces and appliances, and in good faith, we had the units vacuumed and did a quick cleaning of every unit, like the bathroom and things like that. Lastly, besides the prorated rent credit and free cleaning, we welcomed the tenants back to their homes with a mini gift basket, and we filled those with bottled water and snacks and a gift card to the mom-and-pop deli that's across the street. And while our tenants were not thrilled with the news, we were grateful that they all were very understanding about this whole situation. They really were. Okay, now can I talk about the prep we had to do before fumigation? Yes, dear. Why, thank you. You're welcome. The fumigation company provided a checklist, which was a step-by-step -step guide of what we and the tenants had to prepare for before their arrival. We'll put a link in the show notes along with a brochure that goes over the whole fumigation process. So all people, pets, and plants must be removed from the structure before fumigation. This checklist included fish and seeds or bulbs intended for planting. There were several recommendations by the fumigant manufacturer. Medicines, feed, and food not sealed in metal, glass, or highly resistant containers must be removed from the structure or sealed in protective bags, and those were provided by the fumigation company. After treatment, Fumigants do not leave residue on household item once the home has been ventilated and appropriately cleared. Besides distributing it to our tenants, we went through every item on the checklist. Given all drawers, cabinets, doors, windows had to remain open, we knew we had to provide security during the fumigation. Now, Midtown is pretty busy. With all the foot traffic, some homeless, we don't want to tempt anyone from entering unlocked units. So we handled security during the daytime and hired a company for the evening hours. One of the experiences we gained from being up there for a couple days was being in the neighborhood during a completely different time than we normally are. I stayed in our car out front until about 11 p.m. when the overnight security company we hired took over. It was actually kind of cool, people watching, seeing the area at night. Stacy brought me over some food and coffee from the hotel we were staying. I kind of felt like I was on a stakeout. <laughs> I know. You, you kind of enjoyed that, didn't you? Uh, I, I, I did. I don't want to say Columbo because that's not the right one, but we'll, we'll have to find a nickname <laughs> for you on that. 
And because the gas lines had to be turned off, we were thankful that the fumigation company coordinated with the gas company to schedule both the shutoff and then the turn back on process. Yeah, really grateful for that. We had a lot on our plate already. Right. Also included in the communication to the tenants was information on the process of the fumigation and the required release of liability forms that they had to sign and return to us. Now, the fumigation could not take place until every resident had signed those releases. And to be honest, I kind of held my breath on a couple of them. I was afraid they weren't going to sign off on the use of pesticides, but in the end, they all did so, you know, big whoop on that. If we did one thing differently, we would add an extra day for the property to air out. We found that one or two of the tenants were sensitive to the chemicals, and they stated that they experienced headaches and burning eyes the evening after they returned to the unit. And now we have no proof that these symptoms were a result of the fumigation. And when we called the company to ask them about it, they told us that there was nothing that they could do. They just recommended that the tenants vacate for an additional night. So our advice would be that it's better to err on the side of caution and throw an extra night on there. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think another thing we did right was that we had healthy capital reserves to cover the expense of the fumigation, security, and tenant compensation. If we had not set aside, what do we normally do, 15 to 20% yeah. of our income each month, we would have had to dip down into our savings or put much of it on a credit card. Yeah. So between this termite issue that happened in 2019 and the pandemic that hit shortly after, our healthy reserve account got hit pretty hard. So I think right now we're reserving 25% of the rent to get it back up to that secure amount that we're comfortable with. And another thing, don't forget to inform your neighbors. They'll appreciate knowing beforehand instead of coming home to find the circus popped up right next to their home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not to mention their pets, because the last thing we wanted was to have their animals get out and start sniffing around the base of that tent. Yep. All right. Let's take a look at ways people can prevent termites from nesting in the first place. Well, wouldn't that have been nice to know before, don't you think? Yep. Hindsight. But (laughs) now we know. Warmer temperatures and moist air are extremely inviting for termites, especially for flying termites or swarmers. These are the kind we had, drywood termites. They hatch in the spring and take off in search of new homes for their colonies. Termites need water to live, so you're going to want to eliminate or reduce moisture around your property. Repair any leaking faucets, pipes, and AC units. Clean your downspouts and gutters. Maintain good drainage around the foundation and make sure there is no standing water. These steps should also help keep those annoying mosquitoes away from your property. Seal entry points around water and utility pipes. Try to avoid excess mulch or ground cover near the foundation. Make sure the wood around your house or apartment building is not touching the soil. A good rule of thumb is an 18-inch gap between any wood on the building and the soil. Keep any firewood or lumber at least 20 feet away from the building. And do regular inspections looking for signs of infestation like hollowness, rotting, paint that is bubbling. This includes around decks, fences, especially around windows and door frames. When you find issues, repair any damaged boards like fascia or soffits or rotting wood shingles. 
Also replace any damaged weather stripping or loose mortar around your basement foundation. Now our termite issue, we believe, started under the front porch of our units. It's about five feet high, and underneath is only accessible from the basement. Even then, it's separated from the rest of the space under there by plywood. We've since created an opening. So it's not the easiest place to get to, but well worth the effort a few times a year. A pest control company is a great member of your team. They can help you identify problem areas around your property and recommend treatments to alleviate or control any issues that might arise. I think the entire process of coping with termites in our rental property was quite an ordeal. However, with the help and guidance of our pest control company and the fumigation experts and the security firm, we made it through while also acquiring a newfound knowledge. Last and most importantly, the inconvenience our tenants endured was mitigated by the open and transparent communication we foster in our landlording business. Even in stressful situations, eliminating the unknown and passing along pertinent information helps ease the situation. There's a quote that I like from Nelson Mandela that says, it always seems impossible until it's done. Landlords, you must be patient. Stuff's going to happen when you own rental property. And our best advice is to be as prepared as you can be. Being organized is a huge plus. Be proactive on maintenance and respond to tenant requests in a timely manner. Positive mindset is what will make challenges such as termite infestations more bearable. So with that, thank you so much for listening. We are here to help you on your landlording journey. If you would hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with another rental property owner, it would really help us reach other DIY landlords so we can help guide them to an organized professional and a streamlined rental property business. If you would like to receive the link for our podcast in your email each week, you can subscribe to our newsletter, Landlord Weekly. It comes out every Tuesday and includes all kinds of tips, early access to our blogs, plus landlord-specific articles written by other industry pros our favorite landlord products that we use in our business, and the most recent link to this podcast. We will include the link to subscribe in our show notes. So thanks again. I am Stacy. I'm signing off with Kevin. Hang in there. You got this, landlords. 